This is Challenge Extended, the adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Disabled Sports USA. I'm your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Challenge Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Challenge Extended provides an opportunity to share the personal stories of our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. My guests today are not only immersed in the field, but fantastic experts who are passionate about snowboarding. Reggie Showers is a certified snowboard instructor, an amputee advocate, and certified peer visitor. And Chris Kepi, or Kep, is a snow instructor with Adaptive Sports Center in Crested Butte, and one of the Team USA coaches as well. Let's start with Reggie. Reggie, how did you get involved in snowboarding? Uh, back in 2007, I got uh, invited to try a snowboard out with a friend of mine. He was an announcer with ESPN Sports. And he, he knew that I was an extreme motorcycle racer. And he said, man, you know, you should try snowboarding. I was like, man, you know, black people don't snowboard. That's, <laughs> he said, no, no, that was a joke, obviously. But he said, um, no, you'd be great at it. You know, you're, you're a very adventurous guy, and very ambidextrous and all that stuff. So I went out and I took a, a lesson at a local mountain in the Pocono Mountains and I actually fell in love with it. Um, I didn't tell my instructor that I was a double amputee at the time. So, of course, I crashed and burned quite a quite a mm. bit, and my leg came off. You know, one time people about had a heart attack when they saw my leg was about six feet away from my body, you know. But um, I just pursued it, met some really cool people in the adaptive snowboard world that uh, encouraged me to just keep learning and progressing and sharing my knowledge. And so here, 12 years later, I'm still doing it. And how about you, Kep? Well, I started riding with some friends in Colorado, uh, about 20 years ago and um, got into the adaptive side of things uh, through meeting Amy Purdy and Daniel Gale. Um, that was uh, back in 2002. And uh, Amy had been riding at the program, uh, the adaptive program where I live in, in Crested Butte, the Adaptive Sports Center. And um, we had linked up and kept in touch. And, and I started riding, um, doing adaptive snowboarding, uh, 2005, 2006. And uh, yeah, so it's a, uh, it's been a fun journey. Been able to meet Reggie and a ton of athletes around the world, and uh, we've been able to share share our love for snowboarding. And um, you mentioned Amy Purdy and in, in the 2005-2006. Uh, that was really the kind of the start, uh, early the early beginnings of competitive side of adaptive snowboarding. Yeah, yeah. We we started with uh, this USASA event, which was our our snowboard nationals, um, which ended up being an international event. We had uh, quite a few athletes that came in that helped make this Paralympic push happen. Um, got to re- meet Reggie a few years later. And, uh, 2008 it was. Yeah, you know, we were sharing a house together with uh, 30 people at this event, you know, and, uh, <laughs> from six different countries. So wow, it was, was awesome. Uh, it was awesome. It was true grassroots snowboarding, which has had, you know, helped us lead to this Paralympic side of things and, and changed adaptive smoke, snowboarding for the better. Sure. And so what was it like the first time that uh, snowboarding became a, a Paralympic sport? It was amazing. Uh, I was at Sochi uh, coaching with the Brazilian national team. Um, but a lot of my friends that we've been riding with for a long time were all there competing for their separate countries. Uh, but it, it was a unification for the sport, for sure. Um, it, it was uh, a great start. We only had one category at the time, mm-hmm. which was a lower limb category. Um, and since then, we've added in two different other 
disciplines with uh, with the upper arm category and then two different lower categories and uh, been able to expand from border cross into a bank slalom event as well. And uh, the international field continues to grow every year. It's awesome. And, and uh, of course, Sochi is where Team USA on the men's side swept the podium. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That, that definitely was a sweet moment in, uh, in U.S. snow sports history. Um, and those three athletes in particular have helped push this sport from the beginning, pushed been, each other. They've been working at it a long time. They yeah. have, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're still excited. A couple of those guys are still around. Um, even with, well, all, all three of them are, are fathers now. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, and they it's, still give back to the sport to help yeah. grow the sport, to, uh, help usher in the, uh, the new athletes, encourage them, inspire, uh, coach, instruct. And that's what it's all about. That's what this class, what this sport is about. It's learning as much as we can, having a good time, um, and then giving it, paying it back. Or pay it forward, I should say. Well, we're both. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, You're paying yeah, yeah. back all the all, yeah. all the good things that have been given to you, and yep. and paying it forward to others in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the the fact that it's grown competitively into different categories. Um, how on the, either on the men's side or women's side or both? Um, how are we doing in terms of finding athletes uh, to compete in all the various categories that that are available at the competitive level? It's a challenge. It's a challenge for sure. Um, we're always looking for new athletes and new talent and um, committing to snow sports, whether it's alpine or snowboarding side is a, is a difficult task. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have a few athletes uh, like Brenda Huckabee um, transfer from, from uh, Louisiana in a totally <laughs> different environment, you know, moving to Utah and, and creating a whole new life around snowboarding. Um, like th- that's a big leap big leap of faith. Uh, mm-hmm. Noah Elliott grew up in uh, St. Louis, another, another kid that, that found snowboarding at an early age after going through limb loss. Um, yeah, it's unlikely. We've, we've been finding some unlikely athletes uh, that haven't necessarily grown up in, in the mountains or mountain towns. And it's uh, the so amazing thing is that they progressed really fast through uh, the sport. Um, and achieve success. Like Noah, Noah's just an amazing story. You know, he had bone cancer, was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget whatever the sarcoma mm-hmm. he had and had his leg amputated above the knee. And he was a skateboarder prior to that, lost his leg, and then got introduced to snowboarding. And two years later, he's at the Paralympics. It was about two years? Yeah. Two, two years. He's at the Paralympics, you know, meddling. Exactly, right. That's pretty cool. I mean, those are the, those are the athletes and the stories that we, we really would love to find. And they're out there. There's a lot of them out there. We just got to find them. And is there a particular strategy or method to be able to find or locate these athletes? I can tell you from personal experience, I think um, social media really plays an important part in discovering uh, the, the, the future of adaptive snowboarding. When I first uh, got introduced to snowboarding, 2007, like I said, uh, there was no Facebook that I knew of. I think Facebook was was relatively brand new to a lot of college kids at that time. But um, the information that I tried to, to to find was all on the internet. It was a couple of blogs, you know, from amputee snowboarders. Uh, one in particular was uh, what's the kid's name? Um, uh, you know, and 
He's a single leg B, BK. Uh, Lucas Grossi. Lucas Grossi. Yeah, Lucas yeah. Grossi. He had a um, he had a, a blog that he put up, and he had some information about his setup, and and I read it, and I connected with him, got his email address, and then I connected with, um, like Kep said, with Amy Purdy, Dan Gale, with Adaptive Action Sports. In 2008, we all came out to Copper for the USASA Nationals. Met a ton of other adaptive athletes mm-hmm. there. Met Kep there. That's where we began our friendship. So now, you know, we have social media, mm-hmm. and there's amputees that are sitting on their phones. You know, they're members of amputee support groups, and they see these photos or these videos of other amputees who are just like them. They have the same amputation. But they're doing these extreme sports. They're they're snowboarding or they're skiing or, you know, whatever you're doing, and they get inspired. They say, if they can do that, I can do that. Just like DSUSA's model. If I can do this, I can do anything. That's right. So social media is, is a really good resource, a good platform to get the message out about the need for um for adaptive athletes. And and it's possible. I mean, all the um the equipment, the the technology in um Prosthetic technology has, has advanced by leaps and bounds since I first started snowboarding. So it's it's actually given the new generation a, a faster learning curve, if you mm-hmm. will, to be able to uh, be successful with the equipment that's available. Because prior to it was just prosthetic feet or or suspension systems that just allowed an amputee to ambulate. Now there's sports specific prosthetic components mm-hmm. that allow amputees to run, to jump, to snowboard, and to ski. So that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I want to talk about technology here uh, before we wrap up today. Uh, before I, I, I leave that kind of conversation about uh, the different um, classifications, how, how does the U.S. compare in terms of being able to fill enough slots and make sure that we have a good team and a competitive team in all the different classifications? Are we, are we where we need to be or is, uh, do we need to kind of continue to reach out, as you mentioned, to grow and, and reach out to new athletes? We're always looking for new athletes. Uh, in the men's side, we've got quite a few up-and-coming athletes that we think we can fill, fill some of those big shoes uh, and continue to, to move forward on the female side. Uh, we definitely need, need more females interested in snowboarding and coming out and getting involved. Uh, we're always looking for, uh, for support from chapters. If they know of somebody mentioned somebody, Hey, this, this person's riding pretty good. You know, is there anything we can do? We, we get emails and updates. Um, so there's still always that grassroots push to try to find athletes. Um, you know, and honestly, what we're looking for is uh, pretty good athletes uh, that are interested in snowboarding that maybe fall in love with snowboarding and, and have that same passion and stoke for snowboarding that a bunch of us have. And um, and if you can if you get settled in to loving snowboarding, then the racing component is uh, is a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely we're always looking, always looking. And for those that don't know the difference between cross and banked, can you talk a little bit about you know what the difference between those two, those two uh, I guess race categories? Yeah, I mean Reggie uh, Reggie here decided to throw his name into into the hat for racing a few years ago and um, realized it's it's more challenging to to start uh, getting into the air and doing some other things. It was that, a commitment. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. it was definitely a commitment to training, and because uh, it's a it's a pretty intense uh, discipline, uh, border cross, mm-hmm. and it consists of some rollers, if you will, um, some jumps, some banked curves, mm-hmm. and and you're racing against not only the clock but you know other competitors that are racing at the same time with you. Mm-hmm. So you're you're elbow to elbow, you know, knee to knee, taking people out. Uh, it's pretty intense. Um, and Kep can can follow up with uh, the bank slalom. Bank slalom, it's you against the time. It's a uh, the course is a little more forgiving. Uh, mm-hmm. Not as many big features, and uh, you know we've had uh, bilateral AKs that have been racing bank slalom courses, and because uh, it is a little more user friendly, and it's not a lot more as big and scary as some of the border cross <laughs> courses are. So it's. Um, it's a positive thing for us because it's a draw to get more athletes involved and, and having two disciplines. It really, uh, really helps make you a better rider. Yeah. You're training, you're training for two different disciplines, but you're always just snowboarding to try to be your best and learn every day with that you're out there. And, uh, you've got to be a well-rounded snowboarder to, to have a little bit of success with either of those. Um, yeah, bank slalom is a little more user-friendly. Um, there's a lot of mountains that are kind of incorporating those into their, into their terrain. Um, and you can also make those kind of a bank slalom course, uh, wherever you are at any mountain. It's mm-hmm. just like a goalie that's got, you know, some different turn shapes. So it's, you know, that's the fun part about snowboarding is we can kind of, uh, adapt and make, make a border cross out of any snowboard hill that we're on or any mountain that mm-hmm. we're on. It can be a, a snowboard cross course for us. Uh, you know, we're not necessarily defined by um, by chasing gates, maybe at the alpine side, as um, and and we're not dictated by that. We we get an opportunity to snowboard everywhere on the mountain to be overall snowboarders, and that's that's the fun side of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we talked about, of course, lower limb and upper limb. Uh, the classifications already. What about snowboarding and other uh, physical disabilities, whether it be, vi- you know, either blind or visual impairments or even, uh, you know, CP or some other type of uh, um, disabilities? Where, where does that kind of stand in this sport? Cur- currently, there's no VI yeah. categories. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be something we could implement in the future uh, with a bank slalom, maybe. Um because it's like I said, once again, it's you against the clock on a closed course. So there's another outside distraction. So mm-hmm. that, that could be something that I could definitely see in the future, would hope to see in the future. Um, you know, uh, the other side of it, there's snowboarding is not limited or dictated by any type of ability or disability. Um, uh, Zach Miller, who's on the U.S. team now, mm-hmm. uh, has CP. And is doing really well. It's been um, consistently one of the best uh, in the world for the last few World Cups, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's a shining spot for us. Uh, he, he started out with DSUSA as a kid, and um, mm-hmm. and has gone through the programs uh, to to get to that level, which is awesome. Um, we've also had a uh, Tyler Debilio mm-hmm. who's been riding with us. He's a great kid and a ton of talent, and uh, ESCP as well. Um, we've had some other, um, neuromuscular disorders, uh, for the folks that have come out to snowboard with us. Um, there's levels of partial paralysis, um, from, from accidents. Um, 
that, that people have been able to come out and have really good success with snowboarding. So it's, uh, we're not limited by anything whatsoever. Um, you know, our buddy Swifty is a bilateral AK who's really changed the dynamics for, um, for snowboarding because he's, he's a visual impact. Um, a lot of the athletes are riding, they have their snowboard gear on. You, you can't necessarily see the equipment they're riding on. You can't uh-huh. necessarily see that they've got a shock in their knee or, or, or they've got shocks on their feet or these prosthesis. So, um, the visual impact of seeing, um, seeing certain riders out there like Swifty and, and, uh, some of these other athletes is, uh, it's a game changer. It really draws, uh, a bright focus on what humans can, can do. It's awesome. Absolutely. And, um, let's talk a little bit about how you train. So how both of you are obviously coaching and coaches uh, to a number of athletes and have helped uh, a number of athletes over the years. How, what, um, first of all, what inspires you to be coaches? Uh, but also what kind of, what's your coaching style, what's your coaching like methods and, and practices? For me, um, part of coaching is, is it complements my lifestyle of, I was taught to, or I was raised to be a man of service. It's all about the give back is, um, experience in life through my eyes, um, you know, the setbacks, the achievements, and then using that experience to give back to, you know, the world and, um, the, the new athletes that are, that are coming through. Um, and that's, that completes my therapy as a, a disabled mm-hmm. rider to be able to use what's happened to me and then you, and then give that resource back that completes my therapy. Um, so that's what led me to coaching. Nobody really, there was no rule book or no handbook, if you will, <laughs> I should say about how to snowboard as an amputee when I first started doing it. So it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of pain. It was a lot of frustration, a lot of money spent, you know, just traveling to the mountain. You know, it can be an expensive, you know, habit <laughs> riding, you know, getting a lift ticket is, is pretty expensive in some of these, these big mountains, which is a challenge for a lot of people. But, um, you know, all the knowledge that, that I've amassed over the years and setting up a prosthesis, uh, setting up my board, I, I'm still learning, you know, and that's why Kevin and I work so well together. Kevin is a, a huge wealth of information. He does this every single, not, well, not every single day, but he does it. He teaches, he instructs at um, different different mountains and different programs, and I bounced stuff off of him. I said, hey, and he's an able-bodied rider, but he understands the mechanics of mm-hmm. you know, the the adaptive riders, you know, with different adaptive disciplines. So I need to learn still, you know, because there's new equipment, there's new boards, there's new bindings, and all that changes the dynamics of how I ride a uh, snowboard as an amputee. So when you amass all this information, you know, you want to give it back to the community to make sure that the new generation that's coming through doesn't have to go through that same learning curve. We can actually fast track them to success. And that's, you know, and it comes with, with age and experience as well. You know, you, you may not want to be that racer out front anymore. You want to be somebody who can fine tune the next generation of racers with all the information that you have. And that's where I get the, uh, the, uh, the pleasure of, uh, of giving back as being a coach. Yeah. And Reggie mentioned some of the programs. You want to talk about some of the programs and where you, the various ways that you contribute to the adaptive uh, snowboarding community? Sure, sure. Uh, you know, like I said, I mentioned um, 
Amy Purdy and Daniel Gale, um, been longtime friends with those guys. Um, I'd actually just met Amy, uh, same time I'd shattered my femur. Hmm. So, and I was a, a college athlete, so I kind of had an athletic base that I wanted to continue for my life. Um, and going through a big injury like that and trying to recover, um, meeting, meeting some other people that were out and, and doing some amazing things kind of gave me a new perspective on maybe where I should go with, uh, with my future. I've always loved coaching and working with athletes. Uh, I believe that there's a lot of athletic potential in everyone and, uh, that maybe they don't see. And, and Reggie's got a really good eye for finding, finding that and helping people pull that out, um, of themselves, pushing themselves just a little bit more than they realize they can. And, and, and we've seen a ton of success as a result of it. Um, and that's one of the most rewarding things. Uh, I've been fortunate to work with the Adaptive Sports Center in mm-hmm. Crested Butte, Colorado, where I live. We've got one of the, the top programs in, in the country and in my mind, the world. Uh, you know, we've got an amazing staff and um, our groups that come through it, it, are changing lives every time they, they come through our program, which, uh, which is really important to me is that, like I said, it's that success path. You see somebody that is a little bit out of their comfort zone and, um, they push and they, they have uh, a better outlook for wherever they go back to. Um, and that's, that's something that's, uh, it's irreplaceable for sure. And, uh, I've also get, got a chance to uh, work with Team Super 5, worked with a lot of military veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a couple different camps for uh, for uh, DSUSA, and I'm the development coach for the uh, U.S. Paralympic snowboarding team. So I'm fortunate. I love what I do. Um, I love the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. Reggie and I do bounce a lot of stuff back and forth uh, off each other, and it's uh, – it's awesome to see the smiles on, on faces of snowboarders after they've completed something that they didn't think they could do. And, um, it's life changing. You know, we get to ride with, with some folks a few years later, like Noah and, and mm-hmm. some individuals that have had a ton of success, um, with their snowboarding careers. And, and it's, uh, so sometimes it's just having them believe in themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, uh, it's hard to do, I think. Um, uh, I know Reggie, Reggie's changed a bunch of people's lives. I know that. I know he has. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen him in action. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad you mentioned both Crested Butte and, of course, the, the U.S. Paralympic team, so uh, Team USA. Yeah. Um, so if, if someone's listening, and, and we've kind of talked a little bit about this, but not in great detail, if someone's listening and thinking, you know, I can't do this, this is not for me, what, what would you tell them? And how, and, and then after what would, after you told them, how would you encourage them to kind of just try it out, experiment? Is there, is there anything, any kind of advice or words of wisdom that you could share with them? One of the beautiful things that uh, I've noticed over the last few years, I'm from the Northeast. I live in Philadelphia, PA. So the local mountains uh, are the Pocono mountains. And when I first went out to try uh, snowboarding, like I said, in 2007, there were no adaptive snowboard programs back there whatsoever. Um, That's changed. So that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. We are becoming more aware as a society about the the awesomeness, um, the capabilities of people who do live with with a disability. Um, And if I can rewind 
even a little further back when I first became an amputee back in 1978, I was actually looked at as a liability. Mm-hmm. You know, they, people looked at me and called me crippled. And, you know, oh, you know, we got to we got to be very, very careful with him because we don't want him to hurt himself even more than he's already hurt himself. You know, that that perception has changed over the years. We've become more aware as a society, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful thing. Um, I would suggest I would I would advise um, someone and encourage them to uh, seek out a program. You know, they can Google adaptive snowboarding and I'm, I guarantee you there's going to be some information that pops up on your computer or your smartphone about some programs in their area. Um, there's foundations, um, there are camps, uh, like Kep said, you know, with the adaptive sports center. Um, and then in the Northeast, they've, they've, uh, we've actually grown. We were slacking for quite a while. I mean, all the adaptive, <laughs> the really good adaptive snowboard and skiing programs were out West. They were Colorado, Colorado and Utah, Utah, right? Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in the Northeast, we're catching up, you know, and, and if you come to Ski Spectacular, DSUSA Ski Spectacular, you'll see overwhelmingly the, the volunteer snowboard and ski instructors come from the Northeast. So we have something that we're really, really proud of, the Northeast contingent. But um, yeah, the, the programs that are available now, um, I mean, somebody can, you can get a coach, an instructor that's been fully trained and certified to, uh, to, to instruct you with whatever it is that your, your disability is that will help you, you know, gain success. So um, just getting, getting somebody to help you, um, I think will help you with your fast track to success. Yeah. And honestly, uh, if you live in a spot, maybe that doesn't have snow, it's just getting involved with the DSUSA chapter. Absolutely. Try, try to get into um, some water sports or, or some rock climbing or, or just whatever it is that, that kind of gets you moving. And that motivation can lead to making a trip uh, out to get on the snow and, and try something that's even a little further out of your comfort zone. Um, Indeed, yeah. You know, there's so many programs that are out there. Uh, if you find some, some individuals that might uh, have more of a, a problem type of uh, mentality versus a solution mentality. Um, programs are always looking to support anybody as much as they can. So, you know, there's programs that are out there that'll come pick you up um, and, and get you to these events. And, need you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, and there's, um, there's grants that are out there that help cover some of these expenses. So, I mean, there's a lot of, it's just looking for solutions, um, you know, and having that positive mindset and that that's, that's the first step to getting off the couch is just getting up off the couch, you know, mm-hmm. you know or, or getting that movement. Um, you know, if, if you can get that level of activity started somewhere, you've got an opportunity to, uh, to make it out here, uh, on the snow, on the mountains or, uh, make it to the other side of the world, you know, for team USA. There's help available. Absolutely. And uh, you both mentioned camps and, of course, you know, programs and, and chapters like Crested Butte that, you know, first of all, a lot of fundraising comes into play to the, by these organizations and programs that underwrite some of the costs. So yeah. hopefully the entry level fee uh, for our adaptive community is less than, you know, if you had to just pay full price, retail price at at um, at another mountain or another facility, and furthermore, programs like Crested Butte has you know all encompass all inclusive type places. You know there are places where you can stay; uh, they'll feed you, as you mentioned. You know, so uh, it's a wonderful experience and a wonderful way to build community as well. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and with our program um, specifically, we've got some grants that are available for uh, for military veterans and their mm-hmm. families. Um, and the, the price point for that is uh, is cheaper than than a snowboard rental for the day, and that includes a ski pass, uh, having an instructor go out with you, your gear rental, everything. And that, you know that's important. That's mm-hmm. um, that's what changes families. That's what changes uh, your future and your outcomes for things is when you can get on snow and, and potentially have your family members there and sharing that same experience. It's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. And we, before we go, we have a few minutes left. Um, we talked about technology. So I, I, I do want to talk about, cause I've, I've seen an amazing progression of technology in this sport and all really all adaptive sports, but do you want to, Reggie, you want to start off by talking about just in the time that you've been snowboarding the technology and the advances in technology that we've seen? So initially, you know, we as amputees, and I'm speaking as an amputee um, from the amputee discipline, uh, we just basically used components that were available to us, you know, from the, the from the, the amputee world. Basic walking feet is what we used. Um, basic uh, suspension sleeves that that keep our prosthesis connected to our residual limbs. Um, everything was pretty basic at that time, back in the day. Um, since then, we've expressed our concerns to some of the engineers, some of the sales and marketing staffs of some of these manufacturers, and they've taken that information back to uh, their engineers, and they've made new specific products, um, liners and locking devices that keep the prostheses on more. Like I said earlier, you know, my first training, my leg popped off. Yeah, and and that was that could have been catastrophic, if catastrophic if, if I had been you know racing or you right. know going super fast or anything like that, mm-hmm. it could have been a really really bad situation to, for me to lose my leg um, while riding a snowboard. But we now have uh, better liners, better locking systems. The feet have shock absorbers built into them. They're built out of different carbon composites. Um, there's uh, Mike Schultz, who's an amputee himself and mm-hmm. uh, a Paralympic athlete, gold medalist. In snowboarder cross and bank slalom, did he win gold in bank slalom? I think border cross. Border cross. Okay, um, but Mike was not happy with the the components that he saw um, out on the market, so he designed his own foot, mm-hmm. Versa foot. He designed his own knee, the Moto knee, and had great success with uh, those two products. And it's actually uh, improved and came out with version two of both. And a lot of the uh, Paralympic uh, athletes, the top Paralympic, top Paralympic athletes are using his product and having great success with it. So this is great for us. Um, the future looks really, really bright. I take that information. I work for a prosthetic foot company. Mm-hmm. So I take that information back to our engineers and say, hey, listen, there's a need for this specific product. There's a lot of people out here that want to participate in extreme sports. They want to snowboard. They want to ski. They want to scuba dive. They want to rock climb. We need to equip them with the technology with the components that they need to be successful with whatever it is, the discipline that they're following. So um, the future looks bright. I'm really excited about a lot of the, the, the uh, components and products that are coming out. We've got some really cool stuff I can't talk about right now. <laughs> That's another show. That's another show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, as a coach, he's uh, been working in these disciplines for, for quite a few years now. Um, there's a, there's a lot of things that can still be fixed with duct tape and, and some zip ties and uh, 
it's some ingenuity in, um, and um clamps and, and that's a cool part about the adaptive world and adaptive snowboarding in particular mm-hmm. um there's a lot of trial and error and, and everybody's different like we were talking about with different disabilities before everybody's set up slightly different um there's no real uh handbook that kind of outlines right. a lot of this and um the exciting part is to try to come out and try try it for yourself mm-hmm. uh, give it your best shot there's a, a ton of resources within DSUSA to help you p- get people on snow. Um, some of the best instructors in the world are, are involved with these chapters across the country here. And, uh, yeah, it's coming out, giving it an effort, and uh, guarantee there'll be some smiles at the end of the day. Absolutely. Maybe some sore butts and uh, <laughs> some bumps and bruises, too, but uh, – Lots of smiles. Lots of smiles. Yeah. Well, before we close, um, you know, we 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 talked about the future. What's the future like? uh, Let's say in we just had, of course, uh, Pyeongchang and last year. But what about uh, our prospects for 2022? We've got some returning athletes that uh, that are still doing pretty well, getting better every day riding, Um, and we've got some upcoming athletes that are doing pretty well. Uh, Like we talked about before, we're always looking for athletes. Um, there's, there's talent out there. There's people that don't necessarily know that they can be a world-class snowboarder. They haven't, they haven't had that opportunity yet. Um, and, and hopefully they'll get an opportunity. And, uh, yeah, we, we're, we're still looking, uh, some of our youth athletes now to progress and fill those big shoes. Um, Thomas Wilson is, Mm -hmm. is a young athlete that's doing really well. Um, chasing Noah Elliott, um, Katie Madry, is doing really well. Uh, Will Will Keeler is another uh, BK athlete that's doing really well, um, and a couple other athletes we mentioned before. That our youth athletes are, are are definitely hot on the heels of uh, of some of those old timers that are looking <laughs> to maybe pass the torch. Kep Reggie, thank you so much for a wonderful and lively conversation. If you are listening and thinking about getting involved in snowboarding, I encourage you to check out DisabledSportsUSA.org and search snowboarding. You'll find information on how to get started and several locations where you can give it a try. Until next time.